Good evening. And now, the Inspirational Quarterly. Hello and welcome back to the Inspirational Quarterly, the world's number one podcast for Keith R.A.D. Candido superfans. I'm your host, number one Keith R.A.D. Candido superfan, Davey Reedon. And joining me today is number two Keith R.A.D. Candido superfan, Kara Ellison. Hello, Kara. Hello. I'm here. I'm back to read today. Hooray. If you um, thought we were done reading Starcraft Ghost Nova, yeah. you're page wrong, one, fucko. Page 107 after many years of reading. After, after approximately 12 years reading the 2006 novel Starcraft Ghost Nova by USA Today bestselling author Keith R.A.D. Candido, after 12 years, we are on page 107. And uh, slowly chipping our way through it, um, feeling good, feeling like we're on a hot pace. I think we, I think we covered six pages last week, and that was fire. That was above <laughs> the average for us. So. Yeah, six pages is a lot for us. It's usually like four or like three. Oh. <laughs> I did have something I, I I needed to mention. Okay, so last okay. week we talked about. Uh, last week we talked about like our parents not listening to the show. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so anchor, uh, the, the, uh, site that we use to host the podcast also does, has like, um, statistics and demographic tracking and stuff like that. Uh And I periodically check like the age groups and uh, I had noticed for that for like most of, of our podcast, uh, so the age demographics are broken up into 18 to 22, 27, 23 to 27, 28 to 34, 35 to 44, 45 to 59, and then 60 plus. Predictably, in the 18 to 30 something range is where pretty much all of our you know, listenership is nothing in the 45 to 59, but then 60 plus had like 2% of our audience in the 60, 60 plus and up percentage. Right. And I thought that was, was pretty high. I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily expecting that uh, 2% of our audience was, was of that age group. And then this week to like today, I check again and the 60 and up age group is now 6% of our what? Uh, of our audience. This is what Anchor is telling me. 60 60 and older is now 6% of our uh of our demographic. I don't know where that additional 4% came from. I have no idea. Do you think it's a concerted effort by the 60 pluses to tip the balance in their favor and actually, you know, start to spread the word of Keith R.A. DeCandido amongst their age group. 
like, are you saying that people 60 and older prior to this podcast already had an affinity toward Keith R. DeCandido, and now finally they've found a platform that that is speaking to them? I'm, ju- I'm just, I'm thinking maybe, you know, or maybe, you know what it might be, is that everyone who's younger started encouraging their parents to listen to it because of right. the last podcast. Right, I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Like everybody like everybody took this as a challenge. Yeah. To to see whether or not they could and this could be like, you know, for teens today, this could be like the cool thing is like, are your parents cool enough to listen to the inspirational quarterly? Right? <laughs> I mean <laughs> Are we cool? I don't know, though, Davey. I feel like if there were a podcast that's like the opposite of cool, it would be our podcast. <laughs> like, this but, but, is not the coolest podcast I could think of. But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. But that's that's the thing is that that's the like, OK, nobody gives a shit if your parents are into Fortnite or Facebook or whatever. Right. Right. You you don't want your like everybody's parents are bandwagoning on the really hot properties, right? Your parents go see you know the Avengers Endgame and you're like, all right, whatever, you know. But <laughs> whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but but you know a hot underground like an underground property that's still on its way up. Now that's a cool parent right there. You know, right. now so that's... they're doing it so they can claim to their kids that they found a cool yes. underground thing. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. Here's here's the other way of looking at it: is that people who are older are the people who were more uh, aware of when StarCraft Ghost was in development. <laughs> that's what that was the other thing I was going to say was you and are I are the people sixty plus just like the first StarCraft players. <laughs> a bit and then they were like you know what i wonder what happened to that guy keith ra decandido i mean 18 to 22 years old these people were were nothing when starcraft ghost was in development right right i'm not even sure if they even who cares about starcraft anymore does anyone i have no idea right these people have never even heard of starcraft uh but (laughs) but people but people 60 and up you know, for them, that was like, you know, uh, you know, one of those things like where, where, where were you on the, on the moon, you know, for the moon landing, where were you for, for the JFK assassination? Where were you when Starcraft Ghost was canceled? Right? Like, (laughs) those, those are like touchstone memories for the previous generation. Right? Right. I mean, part partly, I'm also I'm also wondering, you know, um, you know, me, you know, maybe we somehow like reached one influential older person. Maybe they're like a games industry veteran or something who then spread it around <laughs> everyone else of their era. I don't know. Like, I'm wondering if someone, if you are the person who has been like slowly converting others in your age group please let us know <laughs> we need i need to tap into whatever this magic is that you 60 and up influencer is doing so if you're that person if you are that person who is getting who is 
putting this out into the 60 and up crowd, email us at the inspirational quarterly at gmail.com so we can talk to you and uh, find out what you're doing and how how to better spread this podcast. Because I feel like maybe there's a demographic in here that we just, you know, have we we maybe we we could be serving better. I mean, I wonder if we can like just start like trying to get into the ninety plus age. age. <laughs> you know what see, I mean? Six. Okay, anchor only gives me sixty and up. It doesn't. You know, okay. it, it doesn't. It maybe doesn't we're give already me... popular with them. We could be. We could be. <laughs> we should just go like go into some like you know red like um, residential or retirement homes. <laughs> just start blaring the podcast. See if anyone <laughs> likes it, you know. Well, we can do focus groups at at the you know at at the uh, at at those you know support communities. We can we can go in and play a couple episodes and get feedback and talk. You know get suggestions on on what could because because you know there's so few media pieces of media in the realm of what we're doing here that is actively you know for and about the interests of that age group right yeah and maybe we've unknowingly tapped into something and we could we can emphasize (gasps) that is it because we mentioned columbo millennials we, care about we, but we talk about it and i'm the eight, old the 18 to 22 demographic is not going wild for the columbo references uh, not not losing not losing their mind over the columbo episode i i do think i do think that we did see that uptick in 60 and up about right. the, about the time of the columbo, the columbo we did put era. Col- yes. we did put columbo in the title of the episode and it's possible <laughs> it's possible that there, there's there's columbo a group our way into the 60 so, plus age group some Ugh. some older influencers are squ- scanning podcast titles and going, "Aha! Finally, someone something for for uh, for me today." You know, yeah, but that speaks to what I care about. I was trying to think of exactly what influenced it all. Do we? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we didn't. We haven't been swearing as much recently. You know. So- is that leveled off you the curses help, help, helping helping out our uh, i don't know you know because you know a lot of older people i know are really into cursing but i'm european so i don't yeah. know what it's like on your side of the well let's be let's let's call let's hey let's call it what it is all right a lot of really cool older people that's true are into, are into cursing you know what i mean yeah and yeah cool people obviously as you say you know about starcraft and therefore you know there's the and they're really into columbo Columbo (laughs) starcraft fans right yeah this yeah this normal average 60 and up cool swearing starcraft columbo crowd you know what's gonna happen as soon as i finish up recording this i'm gonna like skip through to the other room and be like mom i'm cool now (laughs) (laughs) mom i'm cool in the 60 and up crowd (laughs) she'll be so proud of me i'll be like your friends probably know who i am mom just talk to them about they've heard they've obviously heard they know about it quarterly if you haven't heard about it you're uncool (laughs) seriously if you're this person spreading 
spreading the inspirational quarterly to the 60 and up age group hit us up inspiration the inspirational quarterly at gmail.com i want to know about it yeah um, or you know send us photographs of, of the of the 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 60 plus people that you know um that listen or, hey you know what I, i'm sorry i'm gonna walk that back a little bit if you're just 60 and up and listening to this podcast email us i don't care if you're telling your friends or not right yeah send yeah just just email let us know if you hate the podcast i'm Ooh. sorry listening if, that would if be amazing if you're hate listening to this podcast yeah let us know about that love to hear about that for sure um uh god what if oh man what if these really cool older people hate our podcast <laughs> or maybe they're like decrypting it they're like what are they talking about are they starting some kind of revolution we should know about <laughs> like, what if they're just like so suspicious of our weirdly niche interests i don't know maybe maybe we mentioned the fictional drugs too much and they're gonna call the cops on us or something I think it's entirely possible that what we're really just playing into here is a nostalgia for the bygone days when StarCraft Ghost was still a viable property and that there is just, you know, a lingering sort of of, of desire to return to that time is my... Uh, yeah. That's I mean, kind I, of my, like, baseline takeaway. Yeah, I definitely feel that myself. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm 36. I mean, I, I guess in the game industry years i'm pretty old <laughs> i don't know but i feel old uh but yes anyway i i also feel like you know i just wish that we could go back to the era in which you know i was still using a modem even though it was very inconvenient you know that kind of thing so yeah well yeah. that's what this uh, the inspirational quarterly a place to come and be enveloped in the warm nostalgic glow of a bygone era, uh, of uh, sweeping you and your imagination scape all the way back to 2006, to that mythical time that we barely remember anymore when Keith R.A.D. Candido published StarCraft Ghost Nova. And uh, I say we jump in and get back Let's to it. Let's do it. Yeah. So we're at page 107. If you're following along in your uh, paper copies, um, I think it's same on the online version, right? So it's, yeah. yeah, I yeah. think it is the same. All right. Mal arrived at the Southwestern District Headquarters of the Tarsonis Police Force, the TPF, mm -hmm. knowing that he would be violating his director's orders when he entered. Ooh, Mal. He He's a bad boy. He's a bad boy. He had already requested all the records from all of the TPF HQs in the gutter. The TPF HQs. All, all one acronym there. TPF HQ. There's a lot of, lot of, ac the, the, the police are big on acronyms in this book. Yeah. And they told him nothing useful. As expected. That's because very little went on in the southwestern and southern districts that made it into the records. He's going into the Wild West, basically. If well, was, when, they, when they say that made it into the records, they they just mean that, like, people aren't, like, well, stuff no one would happening. Report. Yeah. But they're just not reporting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. If, if he was going to find out what was really happening in the gutter, he was going to have to talk to people. 
That's that's crazy for a detective. You should have to talk to people. That's wild. That's wild. <laughs> that's Columboing it. That's for you know, all the Columbo <laughs> fans out there. Um, or specifically, talk to a person. He entered the main reception area. The walls were several unfortunate shades of green. The district HQs were the were first constructed shortly after humans settled on Tarsonis. The ruling class felt that keeping law and order was critical, and they were constructed from bits of the colony ships. That's kind of a cool architectural note. Yeah. That's yeah. a neat little, uh, like, one of our very... We don't... Like, I feel like this book is ostensibly sort of a sci-fi book, but... Frankly, there's been so little actual sci-fi in this, yeah. in this book, right? Like the whole time. The the most I, sci-fi that we're getting is like is like spelling phone with an F instead of a PH. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's actually because of two things. First of all, I don't think that Keith is particularly interested in the hard sci-fi area. Which you know is what so I mean? funny because he's like so prolific in it. Yeah. You know? Like he's done so much. Yeah. in that realm and at the same time that doesn't really seem to be his like the thrust of his literary passion i guess no but i think the other thing is that um you know like their Battlestar star galactica reboot and like a bunch of other um things like that starcraft is like um for example you know like aliens alien that kind of stuff that is all you know supposed to be like you know truckers in space kind of deal and so there's essentially this kind of vibe where Starcraft kind of borrows from a lot of sci-fi that tries to get away from hard sci-fi stuff and like actually ground it more in current politics and current, you know, um, you know, like hard styles and fashions. And I think I think for Starcraft as a universe, it's kind of one of those things that tries to make itself slightly more familiar than you know, hard sci-fi stuff or it's mm-hmm. not like biopunk or anything apart from, I guess, Zerglings are a little bit, but you know what I mean? It's, it's not like particularly interested in like, you know, making a unique world. It's actually more interested in making a familiar world. So I think that's it as well. Yeah. I mean, sort of, but Starcraft as a world does have like, you know, aliens teleporting into their teleporting in like laser beam battleships into their teleporters. Right. Like, yeah. It's not not that. Whereas StarCraft Ghost Nova is like, we haven't seen a laser beam basically at all. You know what yeah, I mean? It's much more, it's definitely much more about the human drama, but I think that's also because of the constraints of the job that's being done here as well, right? Because really, he can't, like, he can't really invent any new technologies here and he doesn't really know probably doesn't really know too much about the actual game that's being made here, considering it never came out. I mean, there's not nothing. He's got the hover bikes and the hover cars. He's got the AI marketing robot, you know? Yeah, but what we're really doing here is exploring... Like, he can't... He can invent characters, but I don't think he can invent technologies here. You know what I mean? Okay, but are you saying that the AI marketing robot was in a lore Bible that Blizzard handed him? I mean, I don't know for sure, but it could have been. Yeah, I I don't know. That doesn't see like me. me, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I see it it more as he did invent that stuff, but he did it within his own constraint as an author 
in terms of yeah. what was interesting to him rather than it was something that Blizzard gave him. Mm. That That's how I, I don't know. That's my interpretation of it. Right. right. And so I think. Like I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to see it as that Keith specific, like his intention was to, however grounded StarCraft already is, his intention was to further ground it as much as possible. Like he drove yeah. it in this direction of being very like human centric, basically. Yeah. And like, I, I honestly feel like, I'm much more drawn towards things that aren't hard sci-fi, mainly because I don't enjoy trying to find like a scientific reason for something existing, right? I want it to be slightly more human oriented. I want, you know, the human drama to be at the fore. I feel like this is what he's doing is like, he's just like, I'm way more interested in giving you the backstory of like the bodyguard who wants to dance, right? (laughs) The hungry, (laughs) the hungry, the dude who's super hungry all the time. Yeah, he's just really freaking hungry. Really, really hungry. See, okay, so here's the thing is that I, I saw StarCraft Ghost Nova, the book on at least one uh, listicle of like, bad video game novelizations right i don't believe this is a bad video game novelization i think what happened is they're like "Ooh, starcraft ghost shoot aliens with her mind bullets right yeah and then that's what people wanted that's what people thought was going to be and then that's not what it is and frankly what it actually is 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 much more interesting than that yeah like i don't see any world in which i would be more compelled by that than i am by what we're reading right and i think that like that's something that i think storytellers especially in games like get often like super maligned for doing something that basically marketing wants them to do do you know what i mean like i think that there's always a box you have to sit in and they won't let you come out of it and a lot of the time they're like you know we don't want you to write this we want you to write this because the video game is going to be about shooting aliens and your job is to you know, give a backstory that isn't about shooting aliens. So it's like kind of a rubbish job to give someone, right? Like, because you know that no one is going to really be expecting that kind of story. And so you're always being kind of put on a back foot a little bit with that kind of thing. But I think it's also like a reception to the fact that obviously people wanted to play that video game and couldn't. So then they read the novel. Yeah. And they're like, and they're like, oh man, I was so excited for StarCraft Ghost, but you know what? StarCraft Ghost Nova is going to have to do. And then they're like, Marcus wants to sing at the Firefly Club? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, I don't care about this guy's mother. Like, you know, he's got, he's got dad. Yeah. Like he's got daddy issues and, and Fagan has, a, has some mommy issues too. And that's a yeah. thing. And then, uh. You know, and then, uh, what? Dickens, then... Charles Dickens? I don't want any Charles Dickens. <laughs> like... Yeah, remember those references to Charles Dickens? Oh, yeah, right? That was my... <laughs> no, right, obviously that person is going to be like, fuck this book, you know? Just um, <laughs> a little, yeah. uh, little F-bomb in there for you, uh, for you cool, uh, elder folks Elder swearers. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, you know, hey, what's up? I notice you and how cool you are when you swear. So that exactly. Was for you. So yeah, um, some some cool, uh, you know, like slight slight bits of world building going on in here that I'm enjoying. So uh, yes, and so basically, the HQ is constructed of bits of the old colony ships, 
Over the years, most of the HQs were replaced with more modern structures that reflect the growing prosperity of humans on Tarsonis. But in the gutter, nobody bothered. Besides, the metal they built the HQ out of was designed to withstand the rigors of space, which meant it could stand up to whatever the gutter could throw at it. Wait, are they saying that, like, the... They're saying... They're saying that that this... This metal was designed to launch rockets across the galaxy. Yeah. So therefore, it is probably strong enough to protect us from poor people. <laughs> is well, I, what think that, I think they're... Is what that sentence is saying. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that they are implying that the gutter is a war zone of sorts. And obviously, if you right, are... But they compared it to literal uh, galactic travel. Yeah. Well, like, like to entering an orbit and not not being burnt up by atmospheric change. I know, like you and I both know that cops over exaggerate, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying that's a wild comparison, right? Right. But I mean, I think, I think this is the stories. This is the story. Okay, this is the this is the kind of thing that like people who have no idea what poverty is actually like tell themselves, right? Like, well, right. we can travel through space. We can manage the the insanity of the ghetto. Am I right? Yeah. But I mean, yeah. okay. So here here's the thing, Davy. Um, if you can uh, Google the Oakland uh, Police HQ, which is in um, the Bay Area of the USA. And see if you can find a picture of it. Uh, I'll wait until you find a picture of it. Yeah, okay, I see it. I see it. You see it? Uh, Please describe to me what you're seeing. Uh, I am seeing what looks like a a huge metal, you know, I'm going to call it like a, um, uh, I'm going to call it like the magazine from a gun sticking up out of the ground. It's like a huge... (laughs) It's like a huge metal box. Yes. Like an like an imposing a huge have, imposing box. Yeah, have you ever read or or, or seen something 2000 AD inspired like Judge Dredd era? Yeah. Like that to me is what that building looks like. And yeah. that was largely that's largely a response I think to the Black Panther movement um which was very active in that area and was incredibly um, just persecuted by the cops in that area. And, you know, the Black Panthers, you know, they, I think basically they were just giving kids breakfasts in that area, right? Um, and, you know, doing some mild resistance and whatnot. But the cops there are just like, again, like in the gutter, like I just imagine they just like completely overreacted and just put right. this giant you know, monolith of a draconian, like outside there's all these like cameras and stuff. It's so overwrought. It's like they've made like the, the version, a building version of a tank basically inside of Oakland. So now I'm, what I'm imagining here in our, in, in the, in the Tarsanis HQ building now is I'm imagining this building is just like lined with turrets along the outside. You know what I mean? And like <laughs> yeah. snipers, snipers positioned on every corner, twenty four seven. Like yeah. the poor people will not breach these walls. Right? <laughs> they and they will not they will not bring 
their whatever it is that they do. Like, this is a, a fortress, basically. Yeah. I mean, there's another instance I can think of in real world where um, I think the Belfast High Court has an impenetrable concrete structure built around it because essentially people <laughs> yeah. used to put bombs in cars and then drive it into the high court Ooh, um yeah and so that's the only other instance i can think of um in the west at least because my knowledge of everywhere else is slightly limited um where there's something similar but i don't obviously i don't think that was an overreaction in that case um although uh, obviously a lot of um ridiculousness on the side of the unionists happened over there but i think honestly i think that um the the thing that like keith is trying to do here is just be like you know the, this is a crimey area basically and he's trying to impress upon us like you know how unruly everyone is and like mal's job is like you know like a big deal here or whatever um yeah. i guess in the cop in cops minds as well in this universe like going to the gutter is like some big deal you know like they don't want to go there because they right, don't really right, have right. too much of a jurisdiction right um not that the gutter threw much. Again, this is reinforcing yeah. the fact that it's just all in their minds. Right, um, right, right. The cops down here were bought and paid for by the various criminal elements, after all. If nothing else, the salary for graft was a lot better than the one they got from the council. Okay, so basically they're getting a better wage here. So no one is arrested, basically. <laughs> Be yeah, because they're, right, because they're being paid off by all the, the yeah. underworld people. As if to prove that point, Mal saw that the sergeant in charge of the surveillance cameras was watching UNN on a screen on his desk. The other screens were showing empty alleys and streets. Three weren't working. <laughs> Mal assumed that someone paid good money to keep those three cameras down. Nice. Uh, what do you think that they're pointing at? <laughs> like, just like Fagan's houses or something? <laughs> yeah, no, it's they're all, all three of them are inside Fagan's you know, sex dungeon. Yeah, right? vegan sex dungeons. Or yeah, something. to watch vegan. Vegan's like, good God, can we turn off the cameras? I'm trying. <laughs> I've got. I'm. I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little busy over here. His secret lovers. Right. His secret throwing. lovers. Yeah. yeah it could be. Uh, it could be that talent show that we talked about. You know, and yeah, they're like, hey, we need a little shows. privacy. Yeah. Secret yeah. talent show. Can't have secret that going on. Talent shows. It's like so <laughs> uncriminal. Um, but that's that's what they need to protect against. Right. They need to. They need the the police need to protect against the possibility of sort of a of an aesthetic of an artistic movement penetrating. You know the the police walls. Right. Still, just for the hell of it, he asked, "What happened to cameras four, five, and nine? <laughs> Busted, the sergeant said without looking up from the UNN reporter. It was Mara Graskin, which Mal only knew because she'd interviewed him once or twice and then asked him out to dinner. He'd said yes, which was a mistake, as the dinner was a disaster. Like every date and attempt at a relationship Mal had ever made. Ooh, buying into that stereotype, eh? I know, right? Yeah, I love it. you can. Especially, uh, you know, you got to wonder who's that person who is like, oh, I love the fact that this guy doesn't smile. And when he smiles, it makes me want to vomit. You know, <laughs> I forgot that by mouth that you can do the freaky smile. No so one Mara would want to go out with him. 
Mara, except for Mara Greskin, apparently. Right. She she was the person from the birthday party at the very start of the book. What kind of disaster of a dinner could it have been? Like, uh, if Mara was into him, what yeah, did Mal right. do? Right, like she, you're right, it wasn't him initiating it. She said, there's something about this guy that I'm into. Uh, is it the fact that he can't smile without it freaking me out? Is it the fact that he's constantly on drugs? Uh, <laughs> you know, who? What? what is it about this guy? I don't know. It's just like an irresistible thing. I'm just feeling myself, you know, drawn into. Uh, I mean, maybe it, she's maybe she's also on drugs all the time, like so for you for her UNN reporting. Maybe she has she, the same little belt. If she asked him out, she'd probably seen him around, right? So she's probably seen some of his sillier behaviors, right? Already. Well, she so interviewed him. She interviewed him. Yeah. Right? So she's getting him in full on like cop mode. Yeah, full weirdo full, already, right? Full, so yeah, he must full he, dork bot Batman right. mode. Batman mode, right. And so she is probably aware of all of the gross things about him already. So he added a gross thing that she didn't know about <laughs> at the dinner, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like he added an extra gross behavior that we don't know about. Right, right, right. As though as as though him being a detective is like masking up some dark, horrible part of himself you know that that doesn't that doesn't normally come out in the course of him you know going out maybe, and being yeah maybe when his state comes out right like he's been normal until that until that point but when the state comes out and is put in front of him he just takes a moment to stare at him and then he just like plants his face fully into yeah. it and eats like yeah. a pig like that's, that's what's happening that's exactly what i'm thinking is that he because ha- it's dinner it's specifically dinner so there is right. a thing there is there is a way that he eats that is not just repulsive. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's the thing is that it's not because we know he's repulsive. We already know that. It's already been confirmed that, that he he physically makes people uncomfortable just by being around him. So it's not that it's repulsive. It's that it's significantly more repulsive than however repulsive he already is on like a moment to moment level right yeah there has to be a way that he eats that is like inventive and how disgusting it is well like or or maybe maybe you just kept ordering more and more courses like (laughs) like maybe maybe it just maybe it's like monty python's meaning of life where like he just sits there and eats and eats and eats and will not leave the restaurant here's here's another option what if he's not eating them what if he's just ordering them and filling the table you know and just and that's just his thing like his weird you know personality tick or something well maybe he makes her pay that's right yeah yeah and then he makes her pay yeah exactly exactly he doesn't eat it he doesn't eat it he doesn't even eat it necessarily he just makes her pay for the whole thing and that's like his you know it's like how 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 like how boys will like you know young boys will like pull the hair of girls that they that they like or secretly or something like that you know? yeah where he's like, like trying to figure out how annoying he can be so what the boundaries are he's kind of like you know sort of needling her with what he thinks is a cute gesture but it's actually 
just just offensive. It's, it's just really, really terrible for her. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like, or he orders a bunch of things that he knows she's allergic to. Oh my right? god! Oh my god! That's so horrible. <laughs> oh my god! But, but that's but that's like how fucked up his brain is. Is that he doesn't understand like normal relationships? Or maybe he ordered a dish that like he didn't know that she was allergic to one of the ingredients in it she ate it and she was like wildly sick and gets taken to hospital and that's the disaster is that it ends with like something serious like that and then now every time he walks through this police station he has to like look her in the eye and she's just like that's the guy who sent me to hospital and i had to have my stomach pumped if you no no if you didn't know that she was allergic to something that, I don't think, I don't know how much you could super hold that against someone. I, to me, it would be like, he had to know about it. Right. right. And he did it, and like, he detective, like, he tracked her for three weeks, you know, leading up to this date or something. To, like, find out information about her, you know, that he then used on the date or something like that. Right? Like, I feel like there has to be a a really creepy component to it for this to make sense. Um, Because, or, you know, the other other way that we we didn't even think about this, the dinner was a disaster. It didn't even say that he was the source of the disaster. Like, she could have been the disaster. You know what I mean? I guess so, but, like, Keith makes it sound like um, Mal... (laughs) has more of the responsibility there. He let, said let, yes, which was, was a mistake as the dinner was a disaster. Like every date and attempt a relationship Mal had ever made. Let, let, hang on. Let, let's think about this though. She mm-hmm. asked him. Yeah. Right. He didn't go out and ask her. She asked him. So, so, you know, he, he, Mal might not be the assertive type in the relationships, you know, and the people who are coming to him are the people who are kind of fucked up enough to want to date someone like him. Yeah. You know? And he could be sitting here being like, why are all these, why are the only people who, who try to date me are these people who are fucking weird? And it's because you're the way, you look the way you do, and that's the kind of person you attract. Right. Right. So yeah. I don't know, I'm just saying that's like another possibility. I guess it is a possibility, yeah. That we didn't we didn't necessarily explore here. Yeah. And Mara Greskin was so like if we go way back, she had a whole thing where with where with Handy Anderson, where she would like um she pissed off someone in UNN, like she pissed off Handy Anderson or something, and that's why she got assigned to birthday parties. Right. Right. So she already has a kind of like attitude of pissing people off. Yeah. You know, so there's, I don't think it's at all impossible that she is bringing something, you know, sort of sinister to the, to the dinner here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I imagine that she, yeah, like they see each other a lot, you know, in in passing. Right. Because there, there's a professional sort of something yeah. here but um okay well let's keep let's keep this in mind because i think that i think that the more we know about mal in his 
like his personal life and his professional life have some sort of interconnected dance going on here yeah. that we can that we can start to unravel. Okay. I need to see Officer Fonseca. Fonseca? Fonseca. Fon Fonseca. How would you Fons- pronounce it? Fonseca? Fonseca. This is Fons- spelled F-O-N-S-E-C-A. Fonseca? Fonseca. 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 Uh, jerking his thumb behind him and still not looking up from Graskin's story, the sergeant said, desk duty. Figures, who'd he crack off this time? The sergeant shrugged. I stopped keeping track. Yeah, that sounds like Larry, uh, which is something that <laughs> Mal <laughs> thinks to himself. Which desk is what? his? Larry, wait, is Larry the, is Larry the, uh, the, the sergeant here looking at the screen or, or is Larry, oh no, Larry is, okay. No, Larry Officer is Fonseca. Fonseca, Larry yeah. is Fon, Larry is Fonseca, okay. The one up against the wall. Anywhere else, Mal might have thought it odd that the sergeant never bothered to request Mal's credentials or at least look up to see who it was, but this was the gutter. Mal walked past the sergeant through a long, dark hallway. He saw light fixtures, but they weren't working. (laughs) He wondered how long they had been out, and if anyone had even bothered to report their failure. The hallway emptied out into a large room full of desks, all but one of which were empty. That figured. Most of the shift probably were out on patrol, were doing favors for whoever had paid for them, or had called in sick because they had better things to do today. In mid-shift, very few cops would be in HQ for any reason. Unless, of again, course, they were on ahead. desk duty. <laughs> I, you know, again, it really... I, we said this at the, at the top of the episode, but it's like, imagine you are like, fuck yeah, StarCraft Ghost, so hyped for that shit. I'm ready to read StarCraft Ghost Nova, and this is the story you're getting where this has to be the 10th time that Keith has told us, like, hey, the TPF doesn't really have their shit together. Do they? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I like it, how you know how many times are we going to get this reinforced for us again? You know, we. I, I mean, I'm. I'm not. It's not. It's just this is most of what this book is at this point. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting to me is the contrast between what this book gets to do and what video games get to do because. Video games are always like, you know, always kind of hyper concentrated, or at least if they're very big budget ones, they're always like really hyper concentrated on like how competent or cool or uh, hyper powerful your characters are, right? So everything is about like how well you can do something. But what Keith has done is essentially made a book, a story of, a, it's a story based around fuck-ups radical incompetency <laughs> just systemic huge... incompetency yes. on every single level all right like let's yes let, let, all right, let let's let's pause real quick can you name in this whole book can you name a single leader or organizer of any institution of any kind or shape or size who is actually good at their job all right let's Let's think about it. We have we, okay. We have Constantino, who is obviously not obviously not not really on top of it for yeah, a variety he was, of like, reasons. The only character is going to say maybe he's okay at stuff, but he's certainly right. not great at it. Right? We, 
what so Constantino like starts with this sort of backstory of like the he powerful head of this big family and all these business interests and then what happens in the story like literally from the moment we pick up from page one the, the way the story goes is the council is mad at Constantino and then terrorists blow up one of his factories and then rebels kill him and his entire family and he dies. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's page one until Constantino's death. That's his story. Right. right. And, and it's, it's so funny because of how often we're being told that he's this powerful, you know, fixture and we have seen only, only miserable crushing failure from him. So yeah. Constantino doesn't, yeah, definitely a no for me. Fagan, I would have said, was competent at his job until last week's episode. I feel like the only competent people in this um, are the antagonists, like uh, Man Mansk, Sons of Korhal. You know? We don't know anything. I haven't thought about That's Mansk true. and That's the Sons true. of Korhal in literally years. And I know. we've only been reading this book for a few months. But, like, so, their job is to, like, instigate, right? Like, and they've done that. We just oh haven't God. heard of even, them. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know how to respond to that. That's so off the... You're so deep in the lore that I can't even respond to that. I refuse to dignify your actual lore. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Okay, right. wait, wait, wait. I'm I have another suggestion. About, I'm here to talk about the Tarsonas police force. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, like, I have another suggestion, right? Someone right. who is good at their job. Yeah. How about Garth Duke? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Garth, Garth Duke is good at the job he chose to do, For not himself. the job he was assigned to do, yes. right? There's a big difference he, there. That there's... basically the only aspect that you could say that anyone is competent in. Not the job he was given, but the job he the, continues the, to do. The job he chose for himself. Yes. yes. And that's, Which he's very I feel like there's, there's an implicit message behind this book is that participating in the system you are going to lose. You have to choose to... You have to choose... To be to yourself. To invade a birthday party. Right. You know. Take down was... your pants. <laughs> Get in the paddling pool. And start <laughs> swinging your junk around. Because that That's is your calling. That's the only true freedom. That is right. the only true freedom. Is inner freedom. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. And I mean this. I think that a great. A truly great example of this in action. Is Jeffrey. Right. Because Jeffrey died under the structure of a system that he did not want to be a part of. That is true. In that's the heart, only sympathy we can give him. In his heart, he knew he shouldn't be there. And yet somehow he is. Yeah. Some way or another he is. And, he, you know, Jeffrey is who Garth Duke would have been if Garth Duke hadn't freed himself, right? right? At the end of the day, you either, it's the Batman quote, you either become Garth Duke or you live long enough to see yourself become Jeffrey. Right. Right? You, you they, these are the two options, like, 
like the system will always fuck you over, but you can either free yourself inner, you can free your inner self spiritually and, and, and show and, you know, drop your pants at a child's birthday party or, or you can refuse to do that inner spiritual work and find yourself holding a gun as part of a uh, rebel invasion of a rich person's house. Yeah. I was trying to think, um, you know, who else? And then I started thinking Edward, but he didn't kill the Edward, entire Terra family. So he Edward, didn't even achieve what he set out to do. He didn't do it and he got blown up. Yeah. He so, he got blown up failing to do his job. So I'm going to take that one under the no column <laughs> uh, if we're just looking at the data. Here's, all right, now, hang on. Here's and he was miserable for a good number of years before he did it as well, right? Like, he had he to really a, work the, up to that incompetence. He, yes, he, he endured sustained misery leading up to a failure of his objective, which resulted in him getting blown off the top of a skyscraper. So just, I'm looking at the data, it's edging into the failure column for me personally right but i can see how someone else could interpret it differently but i'm gonna give edward a uh a, a, a failing grade on that one um i i have one that i think you and i are both going to be in agreement on that this is an unqualified success for this person as a leader of an institution and that's handy anderson yes I mean, he does, yes. he does do the job, right? He does the job. He does he, do the he, job. He started the book in power. He is still in power, right? Yes. We literally, this dude is literally watching a UNN stream right now. Yeah. In the book. Uh, Handy Anderson has kept his shit together. And part of it is we don't see Handy Anderson, right? Yeah. We never, he's always behind the scenes. He's always pulling the strings from behind. And there's another lesson here, which is you put yourself in harm's way. That's when you get, that's, that's when you get taken down. Yeah. Right? It's when you expose yourself, which yeah. frankly is a lesson that Garth Duke has radically ignored. Well, uh, he has actually got away with exposing himself many times. <laughs> so... <laughs> Ridiculous. Exposing himself in public and exposing himself to radiation. Uh, exposing himself in all senses. But, you know, like, okay, we could say, I think, that Garth Duke understands the, the, the practical real-world dangers of his actions, but it's because he's, he's un, unshackled himself spiritually from he's, within. He's committed. Right. There's an inner freedom he's found in that where he's made peace with, with you know, letting go. Well, the consequences of... as well. Right. So what we have here is, I'm going to, I wish I could, I, I wish I could show, do like a, like a square or something here where um, there's sort of like four points on, on like four, four sort of uh, points of relationship to society. Right. Yeah. So one point is Handy Anderson. Uh, like, there's like, uh, so what? One point is Handy Anderson, who is successful at at actually manipulating the world around him, and and does a good job 
of it. Yeah. Right? The other, and then below him is Garth Duke, who is unsuccessful at manipulating the world around him, but is successful on a personal level. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Then across the way from him, we have, let's say Mal, who is successful in terms of his personal aspirations, but a radical failure at changing anything meaningfully. Yeah. Right? Like he doesn't, like he doesn't do any, like he isn't able to affect change externally, but he is only, uh, but he is, uh, uh, like he does have values that he stands by. Yeah. Well, Constantino right? is exactly there too, right? Where he can't, he can't make a difference yeah. to the structures, but he actually, does actually have yeah. values. Yeah. Constantino is probably actually better. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put Constantino in there. And then the last point of the, of the square is I'm going to say Jeffrey, who doesn't stand by his values and gets fucked <laughs> and over And is by completely the ineffectual. Right. <laughs> oh my god, for Jeffrey. What a sweetheart. He's just completely crap. And everything he tries to do. He, he has the worst, he has the worst of both worlds. He has, he has no, he has no pillars or values to stand by but he also doesn't uh parlay his lack of 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 sort of moral uh fortitude into any kind of like you know handy anderson has no morals but he actually gets out there and does something with it right right yeah constantino <sighs> has morals but fucks everything up you right know? yeah so well i mean yeah. his his I think Constantino's, if you put it on this chart, I would say that, you know, Constantino's main flaw was that he didn't either understand how to manipulate people or understand that the world required him to manipulate people so that his values could be enacted, right? Because that's what Handy Anderson realizes, is that Mm -hmm. you can only do stuff in this horrible dystopian world um, if you can manipulate people into doing what you want. I, yeah. I also feel like we don't actually truly know whether Handy Anderson's values align with what he's doing, you know, because we don't actually know. I guess that's true. I guess we're projecting that sort yeah. of onto Handy Anderson. We don't, that's, that's definitely the assumption that we have been, that's the assumption that's, that's reasonable given the amount yeah. of information we have. Well, I think it. it's also like, you know, his real world, um, you know, his his real world reflection would be like, you know, Rupert Murdoch, who we all assume his values right. are in. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You know, uh, massive media magnet magnates, not generally uh, in the real world known for their morals and scruples and values. No. Right. So I would be deeply surprised to learn, for example, that like... Handy Anderson is in fact, you know, like a bleeding heart or whatever, you know, <laughs> right? Like that would be ridiculous. Right. That would be, that would be a very funny, a very funny twist. Other than yeah. Handy Anderson, other than Handy Anderson, as far as I can tell, no successful individuals anywhere in this book, right? No, no, no one doing a good job. I mean, not even really Nova. She, again, survived by accident. Yeah, 100% not Nova. Yeah. Yeah. No, any any successes thus far has either been 
like okay, unless you can't really count the prologue because that's we're skipping ahead to the story there. But like up up to this point, any successes she has uh, has had has either been somebody else acting on her behalf or a radical accident that also kills people unintentionally. Yeah, I mean, and I also feel a little bit weird about that, right? Because this book is supposed to give her some agency, I suppose. I don't. Yo, know. we got like we got like. Uh-huh, 280-something pages to go. Wow. Uh, while you reminded me... No, 100, 180. <laughs> I can't do math. That's that's way too many. Unless we unless we go back to the beginning and just start re- reading it from the beginning, which is still an option. Still, we, could just start, we could just go back to the beginning from here. I genuinely feel like once we finish reading this, we should just like start writing a spinoff for Mal. Like, just, like, start that <laughs> spinoff. Like, that's what we should start well, we have doing. So, we have so many spinoffs we could, that we could do. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to go into that later. Let's let's uh, learn more about Officer Larry Fonesca. Let's do it. Officer Larry Fone- Fonseca was older Fonseca. than Mal. Yeah. But beyond that, Mal had no idea what his age was. He was white-haired and wrinkled, but that was the case when Mal first joined the TPF 20 years earlier. He was always just old. Though it was possible he'd added a jowl or two, his white hair had gotten a bit thinner, and his belly had gotten a bit thicker. How are you doing, Larry? Larry looked up from staring at the same UNN report the sergeant had been watching. His blue eyes were virtually hidden by folds of aged flesh hovering over his bulbous nose. I'm doing for crap, Mal. What do you expect? What in the name of the sun in the sky is that you're wearing? Sitting down in the gas chair next to Larry's desk, which creaked with his weight, while not really painting a nice picture of Larry here. Yeah. <laughs> Keith's like gone off on her, on Larry. Yeah, Keith Keith is every now and then Keith needs like a a dunking uh, uh mechanism. You know, he needs someone to just like absolutely shit all over. Right? Yeah. We we, we, we keep getting a handful of those from time to time, like a person who's just kind of the worst human being. Mal said, been transferred over to the Confed's ghost program. What'd they do a stupid thing like that for? As soon as I know the answer to that one, old friend, I'll let you know. Larry chuckled. Yeah, that figures. So if you're a fancy-ass Confed now, the hell you need to talk to me for? I need to know what kinds of assaults have been happening down here over the last four days or so. Looking at Mal's earpiece, Larry said, come on, you can get all that. Waving a hand in front of his face, Mal said, I don't mean the records. I mean what's actually happening down there. He took a breath, then proceeded to violate several confederal laws. Oh, Mal, what a legend. Yeah, he took a breath, then proceeded to violate several confederal laws. I don't even need to know what follows that sentence. Right. Like, that's that's all I need from Mal. Just, like, right there, you know, like, ah, yes, thank you, Mal, for, for doing what we trust you to do. What I'm looking for is a teep teak. Got a psi index through the roof, and I'm pretty sure she's loose down here. Don't you get us got special fancy-ass confed equipment to help you find that stuff? Mal shrugged. Yeah, sure, I can pick up her psionic wavelength pattern. Only one problem. I don't know what it is. What do you mean you don't know what it is? Sighing at the digression, Mal leaned forward and said, If you're looking for some mug's DNA, you can scan for it. And then you comp it to the database, right? Larry nodded. Then his eyes widened a bit. And he nodded again. Oh, I get it. You don't got nothing to compare it to. Right, she's a renegade. 
a renegade. <laughs> what does that mean? That just means she's just off on her own. She's got no authority. You know, <laughs> unlike other criminals who are always, they're just not used to crime that isn't like organized, where you know everybody is like named and and yeah. uh, in a nice fancy structure. But she's she yeah she's not like no authority overlooking her anymore. She's not she's not bound to any rules or laws that kind of thing, right? So that's what that's what he's saying is like there's she's not controllable in any meaningful sense, right? All right, Where never got into now? the program. I mean, I could do scans looking for a heavy wave pattern, and we have been, and I might find her that way, but I'm not about to count on that. Again, Larry nodded. Yeah, I can understand that. It's like a needle in a haystack. It's a isn't lot of Nova exposition like, going on here. Isn't Nova, like, out absurdly, psionically powerful? That's what I was thinking. It's like, it must be easier to, like, feel where she is if you're, like, this sensitive, psi-sensitive guy. I don't know. Right, like, she's over here, like, blasting people's faces off. Like, is that... Are they just, like, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know, maybe... I guess I don't know enough about psionic tracking. Yeah. We don't actually know the time period this is in, because this could be just before she does anything. Oh, you know I mean? that's true, that's true. We don't... Yeah, we don't know. Okay. What's so hard about finding a needle in a haystack? Just run a magnet over the haystack. The needle will pop right out. <laughs> is, that, is that how that works? Wow. Keith is really... Wow. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> Keith has solved that one. Mal, <laughs> Mal is... Mal, this, okay. I think we're getting a better sense of how Mal's dinner got ruined. Right. <laughs> I think we're getting a kind of sense of the sort of conversationalist Mal is. Right, he's just uh, like annoying. To yeah, people. Mal. Yeah, Mal's the kind of guy who like corrects all your grammar and syntax in every right. single sentence that you that you say. Right. As always, when Mal pointed that out to someone, Larry got a confused look on his jowly face. Then right. it brightened as if he just received enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god these two should also have a show so um, okay hang on hang on wait 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 fi finish finish the paragraph Just, let's finish the paragraph okay then larry says hey yeah that would work okay so what do you need <laughs> like he's just right. been convinced by that like he's very poor solution the mag run a magnet over the haystack uh <laughs> our argument wow all right hang on we have a lot to break down here so first off, so first off, no, right? <laughs> I don't think I mean, the mag... No? Needles don't respond to magnets, right? Like, I'm pretty sure they're made of stainless steel these days or like some equivalent. Like, I don't know. This is future sci-fi world, right? <laughs> this is part of Keith's elaborate lore building is the, is the, 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 uh, the, the chemical makeup of needles in this world. Right or the enhanced uh, uh, power of magnets of a, of a cyber magnet. Yeah, cyber like they've magnet. Invented, <laughs> they've invented a hyper magnet that that's uh, you know the that's uber like magnet. the uber magnet. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> it's like 
It's like, it's like you know, as, as the saying controls. goes, as, as the saying goes, it's like finding an Uber needle in a haystack, right? <laughs> Everyone knows I like what Uber needles. Come Uber on, ne- <laughs> Uber needles and Uber magnets. But right? then, like, look, on, if people. there was, this is the were, future. If there were an Uber needle, right, existing in this world then essentially the saying would be null and void because you could always find an uber needle in a haystack but because that's they're why, uber needles. But that's why Mal has to explain this to people, right? <laughs> so, because it says, as always, when Mal pointed that out to someone, right? So that sentence there is like, Mal has had this Mal conversation. All Mal the time. Had conversation so many times, right? right? Like he's he's... Like he's continually reminding people that, like, no, we make we have Uber magnets now, okay? <laughs> like, like he's so sick of having to to continually say this to people who just who keep forgetting because Larry isn't even he doesn't even fight Mal on that, right? Yeah, he gets it. Like right away, he's like, oh right, Uber magnets. <laughs> I, I forgot. <laughs> Uh, it's so weird. And so, is it dumber that is it dumber that this is still a saying in this? Is it is it dumber that Mal thinks that it's that easy to find a needle in a haystack, or is it dumber that Larry that it's people like, in oh, this yeah. world, yeah, don't get that? that would work. Yeah, had need to be reminded of that, right? Which which of those is the harder logical leap to make? I don't know. What's funny is that this is this could be just two very dumb people talking to each <laughs> other, right? Like that's what this is. Is it's just like they're bouncing off each other and making the dumbest conversation possible. It's so. both when both of them because by the end of this they've reached an agreement, right? They're like, both like, yeah, that would work. At the, end of, yeah, at the end of this conversation, they're in accord. Their wavelengths have lined up. Two wavelengths that are wildly diverted from reality, but are still in sync, nonetheless. Yeah. Right? On their, they're still in sync on, on how wrong they are about the world. But there's a beauty in that, right? Yeah. There's, it's, it's sort of beautiful that they've found each other. Yeah. You know, like it's wonderful that there are two people who are so stupid in the exact same way. It is very <laughs> you know? sweet. Yeah. Isn't that all you can really hope for in the world is to find someone who's like a t- radical moron in the exact way that you yourself are a radical moron? Exactly. Like that's really romantic. Right. Yeah, you can see you can see why these two have like this long relationship together. Yeah. You know, and you can imagine all sorts of of dumb things that that Mal needs to explain to people, you know, yeah. like, like, yeah, you know, like, obviously you don't cry over spilled milk. You go buy some more at the milk store. Yeah. So, right. Like he's and then, having like Larry, like, Larry's like, Larry's yeah, like, that would work. Oh my God. You just go to the store and you yeah. just buy more milk. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Yeah. He's like, just oh, get more right. milk. Right. Just get more milk. Yeah. I, I could just do that. I could do that right now. Yeah, I could literally just go to the store. So, uh, but Mal has pointed this out to other people. But here's okay. <laughs> but it doesn't say that. Uh, wait, wait okay. what if As, he ruined ruined dinner? 
Yeah, right. what if he ruined that's what that's... dinner with, with, with this journalist by explaining the needle that haystack stuff? <laughs> and she's just like, dinner is over. But but here's the thing, is that this, the way the sentence goes is, as always when Mal pointed that out to someone, Larry got a confused look on his jolly face, then it brightened as if he'd just received enlightenment. For Can I just say, enlightenment is the dumbest word to use for this explanation <laughs> right, of running he, a match. His whole life has been solved by this one <laughs> small observation. But, but aside aside from that, the phrase Keith uses here is, as always. Right, right? so like it everyone responds this way. Everyone's confused at first, which I don't know how long it takes you to, un- to comprehend Mal's Mal's explanation here like like they have to remember what magnets are you know <laughs> like they have to run it through their mind like magnets okay oh, yeah, yeah remember magnets all right oh right magnets so like is the implication here that Mal did explain this at dinner and that she was enlightened by it <laughs> uh, you, you know what I mean and then like, she had to run off and get magnet and then test it out with some needles. And, and she tested it and it didn't work. And it didn't work. And then she, and then she realized. <laughs> She's like, I have been fooled. Damn it. I, I, I fell for this again. I no longer feel enlightened by you, Mal. That's the last time I let myself fall in love. <laughs> like she yeah like 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 do you think she would have gotten up and left in the middle of dinner i don't know she had to because it says the dinner was bad it said that it didn't say after the dinner was bad right it said dinner was bad so she got up and tested the needle and haystack magnet <laughs> theory <laughs> and then came back and I sat down back. and went and came back and said, yeah. uh, you're full of shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then dinner was ruined. Oh, and uh, maybe that's the source of all of Mel's. Uh, the, the dinner was a disaster. Like every date and attempt at a relationship Mal had ever made. It's because they keep testing out the magnet theory. <laughs> oh, God. Well. Um. um I right. guess. I guess. Let's- uh. I feel like I feel like maybe we need to we need to bookmark it there because I'm off the track now and I don't know that I'm I'm coming back from that. I just feel completely devastated by this non-observation. So who who are you most de- like who's who are you most devastated for? I feel like Larry is gonna get really devastated by this later when he repeats right. it to other people and they're like, um, that's not how that works. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I feel a bit bad for him. Can oh, you just dear. imagine? Like, imagine, like, Larry. Okay, so so we've said here that Larry is taking a minute to 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 process this, right? Like, he's confused, and then he becomes enlightened. So here's what's going on in that: is Larry is like holding the scenario in his mind, and he's imagining like a needle in the very center of a like a, like a needle that could be in the middle of a haystack, right? And then he and then he he has a fridge magnet in his hand, and he kind of like 
runs it over the haystack, and then Needle like shoots all the way through the haystack and out and and hits the magnet, right? Like, that's the scenario that Larry is playing through in his head. He's, like, imagining this needle, you know, like, being Harry Potter summoned right. out, of, out of the haystack. And that, he's actually seeing that in his mind. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's actually the literal events that are passing in his imagination. Right. You know? And he's taking time to think through that. He's walking through the steps of it. Right? And Larry is like a detective. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's his Larry, job to figure it's stuff his out. Job to solve crimes. <laughs> right. Although we know that they don't really solve crimes. We know they don't really solve crimes, but still, come on, Lair. <laughs> I this is I Larry's gonna Larry has to die. Larry has to die. <laughs> Larry's definitely going to die. Or probably not, given the way this book goes, given how many people are able to get away with such radical incompetence at their job all the time. Yeah. Um, Maybe Larry is tending toward the Garth Duke kind of inner freedom path. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really his only out at this point. Yep. Oh, oh my God. All right. Wow. Um, we got through uh, four pages. Okay. Not bad. We are on page 111. Sweet. Um, good job, Kara. Uh, we did it again. We did uh, do it again. We have to pick a new Yates quote to oh. assess. Because last, because mm-hmm. our last one made it three episodes, and then it, and then it got cut. Um, I'm looking through them here. I have a suggestion. You can tell me what you think of this. There's okay. a quote: "There are no strangers, only friends you have not met yet." What we could do: this quote could apply every time we meet a new character. Right. So, so we could see because we've talked about how many new characters are always coming into the picture. We could see how many weeks in a row we get a new character. Right. Yeah, that's true. Because we, we got right. Larry this time, right? The day we so. got Larry, bless his idiot heart. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, next time we will probably get a new character, if I had to guess. Yeah. Okay, let's go uh, with that one, see how long we can get it to work for. Right. Sounds good. There are no strangers, only friends you have not met yet. And, um, yeah, and of course, as always, if you um, have an explanation for how Mel's theory might make sense about needles and haystacks, um, please feel free to email us at theinspirationalquarterly at gmail.com. Until then, we leave you with that little brain twister there uh, and uh, to make sense of it. And we hope you will join us in the future for more of StarCraft Ghost Nova. Yeah. By Keith R.A.D. Candido. Thank you, Kara, for joining me. Thank you, Davey. And thank you, Keith. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, Keith.